it's been a great, great week. It was fun this morning to turn my little cross around in my yard from the white to the he is risen, right? And I just yelled in the neighborhood. I know that the neighbors probably called the police on me, but I just was excited that before the birds started chirping, there was a, there was a bald-headed preacher man out yelling, he's alive, just waking everybody up, right? You know, just I've got a story to tell, and, uh, and I am so fired up and excited. We were in this room Thursday night, and uh, we, we had an incredible, incredible time. I mean, did anybody go see the Stations of the Cross this week at, at St. Helena's? Yeah, we were in here Thursday night, and we were a part of a, of a service in here called Monday Thursday, in which we just gathered in this room to remember that, 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 that final night that Jesus spent with his disciples here on earth. If you know how the story goes, Jesus and his men met in an upper room on a Thursday night for, for what we know a lot of times as the Last Supper. So they shared a meal together. And after they had shared a meal, Jesus uh, took the bread and he broke it and he began to explain to them, this is my body broken for you. He took that chalice of wine and he passed and said, this is my blood poured out for you. And, and he shared that with them, beginning to try to unpack for them and share with them that, hey, listen, I'm about to leave you. There, there are going to be some events that are going to start to take place over these next few hours. You may not understand it, but, but just, just take heart take heart you know i'll be back right little did they know that after they took that bread and that wine and he did something else that night he he says scripture says that he got up from the table he wrapped a towel around his waist and and he stooped down and embraced the position of a slave of a servant and began to wash their feet their master their rabbi, that for three years they had, had clung to every word that he spoke. They had seen him perform miracle after miracle. This rabbi, their, their master now becoming a slave and washing their feet. And make no mistake about it, he washed everyone's feet that night. Peter, the braggadocious one. You remember the one that said, I'll never deny you, right? Jesus said, oh, Peter. You don't know what you say before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times, right? Remember that? He even washed the feet of Judas that night. The one who just maybe a couple hours before the meal started had made a a deal with the Roman guard to, to, to sell Jesus out for a few pieces of silver. Yet he washed the betrayer's feet. After they left that room, we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Roman guard found Jesus. Peter sealed his fate and identified our Savior with a kiss. And they arrested him. And the events of the crucifixion were set into motion. We know that on Friday they led him up a hill called Golgotha. He carried his cross, his, his means of death. Isn't it interesting that Friday night, that just as in Scripture on that Friday night that Jesus died that the sky grew dark isn't it interesting that we had a blood moon and eclipse that night just coincidence i'm sure darkness fell on the earth and for a few days it seemed hopeless didn't it their leader was gone the story that for three years that many had heard and, and, and this one that they had followed and thrown their nets down and left their homes for, he now lay dead and buried in the borrowed tomb of a friend. And it seemed like the enemy had won. Well, we know the rest of the story. They didn't. 
And we know that in just a few days, all our great and awesome Savior rolled that stone away. And he walked out of that tomb victoriously, giving us hope. You see, that's Easter. That's the story of Easter. That's, we have hope because our Savior conquered death and the grave. You see, right now, that, that, that might be the message for someone here tonight. Because you might be facing a situation in which you say, you know, it just looks a little hopeless. It looks dark. I just don't know how I am going to overcome what I'm facing. Can I just say, hang on, hang on. Easter's coming in your life. And there's hope for you. You just be faithful. The storm clouds will part and the sun will shine just as we prescribed it for you this evening. And the sun will shine on your life today. And you will make it through. Aren't you thankful for Easter and the hope that we have? Woo! So good. I can go all night. We've been talking a lot this year here around 1910. We've been looking at this word. We have a word for the year. We're kind of crazy. The Lord gives us a word. Sometimes he gives us words. But he gave us a word for us, for our church this year. It's the word emulate. Little English lesson. That word means to imitate. It means to act like. It means to latch on to something or someone. Here's where we're going this year at 1910. If you're a guest of ours, this is what we're all about. We just feel like that of all the people in history, out of all the the, the persons that we could, could act like, be like, think like, make decisions like, treat other people like, if there's anyone that probably is the best model for us, it's this man named Jesus. And so we are trying to emulate and become more like him in all that we say and do, right? That's what we're trying to do. Uh, we believe that, that, that as Christ's followers, he has planted his spirit within us. We believe that, that just as the kids started our service with tonight, and didn't they do a great job? How many of you remember that little, this little light of mine song? Remember that? Do you remember those days of vacation Bible school, right? Kool-Aid mustaches, macaroni picture frames. You know what I'm talking about, right? This light of mine. They sang that. We believe that God has planted his spirit, his light in our lives. And check this out. We are to let his light shine. Thus the lights in your chair. Those are free. Take those home. The lights hanging here. The candles. Everything. We as Christ followers have the light within us. And we're to let it shine. I'm reminded of the words in Matthew chapter 5. Beginning verse 14. Jesus said this. There are no words on the screen. You just have to look at my bald head and listen to me as I read these words. It's written in red in my Bible. So who said it? Jesus. Jesus always spoke in red. You are the light of the world, he says in verse 14, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. You know that. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And then here it is for us. The theme of this series, shining like a light bulb. Here it is right here, verse 16. In the same way, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You see, here's the deal. I am to emulate and be like Jesus. And I am to, to put him on display to light up a dark world with who he is by the way I live. Does that make sense to you tonight? I'm going to shine my light. That's his desire for me. 
but tonight I owe you an apology. For, for those of you who are not a part of the 1910 church family, you're a guest here, uh, we owe you an apology. In, in fact, this apology is probably not just for this place of worship, but it's probably for, for, for us. I'm just going to make a, a blanket statement for, for the church in gen, general because here's the deal. There are so many times in which we've not been like Jesus in our world today. We've not let our light shine like Jesus wants us to. We've kind of hidden it under a, a, a basket or under a bush. And we've refused to let the light of Christ shine through us. And so, so for those of you who are not a part of this house, I can't speak for other pastors, but I simply want to say this on behalf of the 1910 church family, forgive us. We apologize. One of the things about Jesus, when you think about him, that I'm immediately drawn to, and, and when I think about Easter, there, there's a four-letter word that comes to my mind in which this is an area that Jesus demonstrated time and time again, but it's the area that I think we've dropped the ball the most, and it's in how we love people. It's in how we love. You know that God loves people, right? In fact, if you're here tonight and you want to zone out for the next 20 minutes of my sermon, that's okay. My wife does it every week. You can go to sleep, all right? But I don't want you to miss this. God loves you. God loves you. In fact, there's a verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that speaks to that very thing. Look how he showed you his love. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Hey, make no mistake about it. When you leave here tonight, I pray that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you. Listen, he's not mad at you. He's not frustrated you. He hasn't written you off. He's not cast you aside as saying you are hopeless. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He cares greatly about you. In fact, he cares so much that this verse says that he sent his son, his one and only son, to die for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son you know it. He loves you. And when I see how God loves, and when I see how Jesus represented God and how he loved people here on earth, I'm just telling you, we as the church have not matched up to that type of love. And I apologize. Read the scripture. In the Gospels especially, and probably that is the thing that stands out the most when you read about Jesus. It's his amazing love. It's the compassion that Jesus showed people. Listen, he genuinely cared for people. He understood their stories. He took time to identify their needs. He did not judge them, but he reached out to them with the tender care of a savior that's how he loves that's how he loves and we've dropped the ball you know when i look at our culture today when 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 i reflect upon the ways in which many people in our society treat other people today we 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 couldn't be more different from this example that jesus showed for us to follow we judge people. 
We, we dislike those who, who live differently to how we choose to live our lives. We, we, we struggle to relate to people who have these massive problems in their life. We just treat people differently than the way Jesus treated them. Am I, am I speaking truthfully? We do. Now, I know that there have been whimperings and there have been some great success stories and we as a church have, have not completely dropped the ball, but there have been times of victory. There have been times in which I think our Savior in heaven is smiling, saying, that's it, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my church. But then I think many times he's gone, oh, my heart just hurts because you've missed it. You've not loved, you've not sh- let your light shine like, like I want you to let it shine. And so how can we love like Jesus loves? Wouldn't you like to know that? I'm glad because I've got some help for us tonight. How can we love as Jesus loves? I mean, why is it even such a big deal? Something interesting when you look at the Bible, love is mentioned more times in the Bible than almost any other verb. Love. It's mentioned more than words like believe and faith. Love is mentioned more than the word forgive and obey. Love is mentioned more times in Scripture than the words praise or rejoice. Read Scripture and you'll find that we as Christ followers are urged to, first of all, love God above all. And we're also to love each other. We're, we're, We're also given instructions on what we're to love, who we are to love, and how to love. Scripture tells us that we are to love truth. We are to love peace. We are to love mercy. We are to love other Christ followers. We're to love neighbors. We are to love those people that are far from God. And oh, I just wish sometimes you could take parts of the Bible out, right? Because Scripture even tells us that we are to love our enemies. Is that easy for you? No. But yet we're called to love them scripture tells us that we're to love sincerely we're to love humbly we are to love deeply we our love for each other is to be sacrificial what does it mean we are to put the needs of others above our own is that easy for you it's not Again, you might be good at it from time to time. When it's their birthday, it's real easy to let them have their day, right? My girls, it seems like they don't get a day. They get a month at my house for some reason. I get like 60 minutes in my, you know, happy birthday, dad. Woo-hoo. Here's the remote. You get it for one hour, you know? And I'm like, seriously? You get a month and I get 60? It's hard sometimes to love others Sacrificial. It's hard. Is it not hard to put the needs of others above our own? Wow. Jesus constantly was talking about love. I think the people in his day and age struggled with it. And I think Jesus knows some stuff. I think he knew that we would also struggle with it in the day and age in which we live in as well. I, I, I love the story in which there was a, a, a leader, a religious leader that came to Jesus one day and he, and he asked Jesus, trying to trick him, trying to put him in a corner, set a trap for Jesus. Come on, dude. He created the world. Don't you think he can get out of any trap you're trying to set for him? They asked Jesus, hey, what is the greatest commandment? 
You see, they lived according to some 600 plus commandments. And, you know, who can, who can live those out, right? And so what's the greatest commandment of them all? And I love how Jesus replied in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 30. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. But it doesn't end there. You see, there's verse 31. <laughs> And the second, Jesus says, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. When I read that, I've heard that time and time again. But here's the thing that fascinates me. It's critical for us to note that Jesus was not asked by this person that day, what was the second greatest commandment? No, he was asked, what's the first but, but, but Jesus included a, a, a second part of the greatest commandment because here's what he wanted us to see. Loving each other should be inseparable from loving God. You see, I show God I love him by the way I love other people. Does that make sense to you? We're so good about loving God and giving him praise and worship and getting our sweat on for him, aren't we, right? We like that part of it. I'll study more. I'll spend time with you, Lord. Just don't ask me to be nice to someone else. (laughs) Woo. Listen, Jesus wanted this religious leader that day, and I think he wants us also to see that you can't separate the two. Jesus didn't have to include this second one, but in his comments, he refers to the first and the second commandment, check this out, as one. They're not two. They're one. They're one. I love what Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 13. He, he, he talks about a new commandment in verse 34. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. You must love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Why in the world then tonight are we talking about love so much? Well, because evidently it was a big deal to Jesus. Love is the story and the message and the purpose and the reason you fill in whatever you want to say. It's what's behind Easter. It's not about peeps, Pastor Kyle. Pastor Kyle Kelly loves peeps. If you got peeps for Easter and you hate them, bring them up to his office. He will gladly destroy them for you. He loves them. But Easter's not about ham. It's not about you getting a new wardrobe. It's not about, it's about love. It's about love. I love what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says as it sheds some light on on, on this question, why is the focus of love? Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. In other words, we on earth are in sort of a a Jesus boot camp. Okay? We we have had the veil removed from us. And and 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being changed. We are being made into his likeness. Listen, 
in order to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, we've got to learn to love like Jesus. Are you with me? If we have ever any dreams or hopes or aspirations of ever emulating, imitating, being like Jesus, we have to love like he loves. The disciple that Jesus loved, known as John, I guess Jesus didn't care for the other 11, I don't know. But scripture says that he loved John. He loved the other ones too because Jesus just loves, right? But, but I love how this disciple spoke of it in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He, he spoke about Jesus' love and, and he spoke about how we grow more like him. Look what he says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. You like that part, right? But look what verse 8 says. Dum-dum-dum. Anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. As I look at the life of Jesus... There are, real quick tonight, six things that, that, that I have learned about his approach to loving people. And there are, 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 are six things that, that I want us here at 1910 to embrace and make a part of who we are. In fact, those of you, if someone, there was a gentleman visiting earlier today from another church. He said, hey, listen, I don't think those things are just for your church. I think they're for all churches. They are. But I can't make you do. You're not a part of this. I, I can't. But, I, but here's the deal. I can just tell you, this is what we're going to focus on here in this house. In, in fact, if you're not a part of this house, uh, I, I'm giving you permission that if you see us not living these things out, I want you to get in our face and remind us, do you remember what your preacher said Easter? I don't think you're living that. These are not just some things that we pulled out of thin air. When I look at the life of Jesus, this is what I see. And for all of those that choose to make 1910 Church their home, this is what your pastor is going to expect from you. This is how I want us to love. Number one, love does not discriminate or require prerequisites. It doesn't discriminate. If you look at Jesus' life, you see that he gravitated to the margins of society and he spent significant time with those who were considered the fringe of culture. He did not center his attention on the most powerful, the most popular, or even the most polished. In fact, look what he said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus said this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You see, Jesus didn't discriminate. He oftentimes went to those that others, the society had kind of placed off to the side, right? Nor does he require prerequisites. You see, Jesus did not place some sort of standard on the kinds of people that he would love and care for. In, in fact, if Jesus did have a bias, it was always towards those who were ignored, those who were discarded, and those people who were undervalued. Let me ask you, how are you doing right there with number one? 
It's easy to love people that look like they have it all together, isn't it? It's easy to love people when they do something nice for us. It's easy to love those people. Oh, man, this might be just a great photo opportunity, right? It's easy to love people like that. You don't find that in Jesus. In fact, it's interesting to me. The people that seem to have it all together, Jesus was repulsed by them. Hey, let's just be a little jacked up, okay? Let's just be a little weird and ignored and undervalued. That way we'll be the people that Jesus loves. Amen? (laughs) Number two, care is not just talk. It must be tangible. Hey, listen, talk was cheap to Jesus. He did not spend his time talking about how compassionate he was. Listen, he embodied it. He lived it. Jesus loved people in the world, and, 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 and he put it on display. He cared for their physical needs. Yes, we know. Story after story of Jesus caring for sick people. But he also took care of the spiritual need as well. That's important. Remember that as we come to something later tonight. You see, Jesus didn't just take care of physical needs. His concern was for the spiritual. But he took care of people. He didn't just talk about it. He didn't just PowerPoint it and and flow chart it. He didn't just give it away to his his people. He said, this is what you do. And I'm going to put it on display for you. Listen, while it may be nice for us to to tell others about our hearts for compassion via social platforms like Twitter or Facebook, listen, it's ultimately our actions that provide care for people. Hey, listen, you care for the widowed and the orphan, get out there and do something about it. Don't just talk about it. Do something. You want to get people clean drinking water in Africa? Then get you a passport and a ticket and go dig a hole. Do something. Do something. Jesus would. He wouldn't pray, Lord, send somebody else. No, he would say, here am I, Lord, send me. And he would take care of it. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Number three, here we go. Compassion calls us to slow down, to stop, and to make time for people. Listen, time and time again, no matter how busy Jesus was, and don't you think he was busy? Do do you not think that he had people constantly around him? Paparazzi, he had, I mean, there were always throngs of people around him. But he always took time to stop in order to care for people. Now listen, this is powerful for us tonight. Because in a day and an age in which busyness consumes us, we must never forget that we have to stop, or at least we need to slow down and take care of others. How many times have we missed this one? I'm in a rush. I gotta get my kid to club sports. I've gotta make dinner. I've gotta get home and watch Dancing with the Star. I gotta do something. And we're just and we miss those opportunities around us number four love by nature is sacrificial and co-suffering i don't like this one this one's probably for me but love by nature is sacrificial and it's co-suffering you see i've already told you that jesus gave his life so that many others could find hope in their lives right Jesus said that true love and friendship is embodied in laying down one's life for another. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says this, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life 
for one's friends. Sacrificial. But it's also co-suffering. You see, in addition, he described compassion as an act of suffering with others. In other words, caring for others deeply requires us to live alongside of them. And it may even require us bearing some of their pain and agony. Let me ask you, when's the last time you crawled up in the hospital bed with a friend? When's the last time you were one of the first responders to a tragedy? We have opportunities like that. When did you go sit with that chemo patient as they took the drip? Have you done that? You see, that's co-suffering. That's coming alongside of people in their deepest, darkest times. Hey, listen, 1910 Church, we're called to be that. Are you with me? That's what we're called to be. Number five, care must be permanent, excuse me, transparent and permanent and honest. Care must be transparent and honest. Listen. Hang in there with me. Jesus was transparent and honest in the way that he dealt with people. This kind of, of straightforwardness was, was not rooted in some argumentative spirit or a distaste for people. Jesus loves people, right? But listen, he deeply cared about the truth, no matter how offensive that it might come across. Listen. The truth is the truth, right? And some people may not like the truth, but that does not make it not the truth. That is still the truth. And just because it doesn't sit well with them, the the woman at the well in John 4, she didn't like it that Jesus called her out. Sir, I have no husband. Well, you're right. You're just living with a man right now, and he's not your husband. You've had probably 32 of them in this community. You're well-known, man. She didn't like that. But was that the truth? Absolutely. And Jesus wasn't trying to be a jerk, but he's just trying to share the truth. Listen, Jesus' goal was not to win an argument. His focus was on bringing something that would be most beneficial to those he encountered. Listen, we can get sideways when it comes to this aspect of how we love people. We really need to love people, and and our heart's desire is is to really see them change and grow, right? We we, we don't just cut people's legs out under them by, by pointing out all their junk. Don't you start pointing out a bunch of stuff because I'm telling you, oh, it'll come back to you. You got junk and funk in your life too, right? Is there anybody in this house that is junkless and funkless? No, we all have that. We all have it. Number six, you guys have been great. Best audience all weekend. Hang in there. Here we go. Compassion must seek justice for lasting impact. Now, hang in there with me on this, especially those of you who, who are our guests here. Jesus knew that compassion that does not lead to a whole new life was only bandaging a wound. When Jesus issued compassion and love towards people, his goal for them was life change, not just to take care of a need that they were experiencing in the moment, right? 
He could have just given the lady a drink of water that day, right? But no, there was a greater call. There was that, that, that spiritual need in her life, right? He, 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 Jesus wanted people to have life change. He expected life change from those that he gave compassion to. He wasn't just giving a handout. He wanted to see people's lives change. That's one of the hardest things for me as a pastor. I want to be honest with you. Transparent moment. We do our best to come alongside people and help people. We, we, we do crazy things to help people in crisis from counseling to, to financial assistance to, to just, just crazy, crazy things, right? And, and, and we're, we're going to continue to do those things. But can I just tell you that this house wants to see people's lives changed. And, 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 and I don't just want to give you a drink of water, although I know that's good. And, and whenever we give people drinks of water, we're showing them who Jesus is. But listen, the goal of the drink of water is to see your life change. The goal is for you to come in relationship with the living water. Are you with me? And that's why Jesus issued love and compassion. He, he wanted to see people's lives changed. That's why he spoke up regularly for those who didn't have the stature to be heard. Jesus regularly recognized that many of the systems that man had created, they lacked care for those who most needed it. Hey, listen, I think that if we as the body of Christ all across the world would just simply rise up and love as Jesus loved, I'm telling you, there would be no need for many of the governmental programs that exist in our society. If we would just stand up and love as we're called to love. Are you with me? It's what we ought to be about. Compassion. Compassion must lead to systematic change. And the other way around. 1910. This is how we're going to love. Those of you that are just here tonight. Checking us out and guests. I want you to hold us accountable to these things that you've heard me share tonight. Because this is how we are going to love people in our community. Listen, regardless of where you stand in your faith and where you stand spiritually, listen, don't, don't you think these principles that we've looked at tonight, don't you think that these things would make our world a much better place? Absolutely. Be great. It's how Christ loved perfectly. He loved all those around him, no, 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 no matter what they looked like or, or who they were or, or even how they acted towards him. Remember, he washed Judas's feet. Hopefully, we're doing some of these things that we talked about tonight, but I think we all can agree we can do more. We can do more. But listen, there's a caveat to this we on our own are not going to be able to love people like this. It is going to require a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit within us for us to love like Jesus loves. Do you agree with me? You see, on my own, I'm very selfish. I I, I hate sacrificing so many times. I I, want to do what... It's hard for me. It's hard for me sometimes to to look for that that person that's on the margins of society and just run to that person. It's hard. I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard sometimes. It's hard because I get busy. Oh, my gosh. I got another 
research paper to write called a sermon. It's like, a sermon is like writing a research paper every week. And I didn't do so well writing those when I was growing up, right? Um, it, it's just, I've got to do this. And, and, and seriously, there, there, there's somebody that, it's hard. Listen, it's going to require a supernatural work of God in us to love like this. Hey, 1910 Church, it is going to be so, so crucial for you to remain in constant fellowship communion relationship with our great god in order for us to live these things out we need god to do this through us then and only then are we going to be able to let this little light of ours shine aren't you thankful that jesus loves you you know that right didn't I say that at the very beginning? That he loves us? Scripture says that he loves us. He demonstrated that. Do you know that Jesus loves you? We've tried to show you that tonight. We've tried to sing about it. We've tried to, 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 to light up the room in crazy ways and, and, and do phone funky light stuff just to kind of show you a little bit of God's love for you. But I guess I have a greater question tonight. Not only do you know that Jesus loves you, but but have you ever received that love? Have you? You you know that he died on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. Even even historians have proven that. They know that he died. He died. We know that. But let me ask, have you ever received his love? As we looked at scripture, it's the greatest demonstration. It's the greatest act of love. Have you ever experienced and received that love? How do I do that, Jason? Great question. It's really simple. You you, you receive his love by accepting his death on the cross. I think we all know, yes, he died. Accept it. He died. Why? So that you wouldn't have to. You, you admit that you need him. <laughs> what do you mean I need him? I've got plenty of square footage. I've got two cars. I've got great kids. My wife is knockout, drop dead gorgeous. What do you mean I need him? I've got money in the bank. I, hey, listen, I'm just telling you, if, if, if that's what you're counting on in life for the rest of your life, for the 74.5 that they say that we're going to live, if that's all, I'm telling you, those things begin to deteriorate and fade in their quality. In fact, Scripture calls those things wood, hay, and stubble. Right? You see, you need, need to admit that you need Him. You have all those things, but deep down inside tonight, you're still miserable. I know lots of people with plenty of square footage, the nicest, newest automobiles, great kids, gorgeous wife, but deep down inside, they're empty. You see, you've been created with a spiritual need. You need a Savior. And you need to not only accept his death, you need to admit that you need him. And then you need to ask him to come into your life. Listen, Jesus is not going to force himself upon anybody. Has he ever done that to anybody? Nope, never has. He didn't force himself upon anybody. But you just simply need to ask him to come 
into your life. And then you need to allow him to make you new. Don't you like new things? You do. New car smell, you like that, don't you? New floors in your house, you like new, right? You like that. New hairdo, you like that. I do. You like new things. Wouldn't it be great if you could be made new? You know, it's what Jesus does in a person's life. Scripture says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. (laughs) The old things pass away. Some of us are are so grateful for those old things passing away, aren't we? And all things becoming new. Listen, Jesus died so you wouldn't have to. He took the penalty of of all of your wrongdoings. The Bible calls that stuff sin. And, And listen, tonight he offers you forgiveness. He offers you the opportunity for a new life, a new way of living. And I'm telling you, this way of living, the Bible calls it abundant. It is awesome. It is absolutely incredible. And listen, it's eternal. It never ends. You think worship was awesome here? Woo! Wait till heaven one day. You think Dave's good on the piano? Wait till you hear Gabriel. Homeboy can blow it. He's got some pipes. It'll be eternal. This life that Jesus offers, it's free. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's available. You just have to give him your life. You just have to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to come in. It's like that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight? Thank you guys for hanging in there. But just, just don't, don't, don't leave me yet. Hang in there with me. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Because I, I, I believe that there's someone here tonight that's never, ever given their life. They've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ for whatever reason, and there are many, but you've just never asked Jesus to come into your life to be Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered. Why don't you do that tonight? Why don't you do that? Why wouldn't you? It's free. It's available. It's, it's, it's awesome. It doesn't cost you anything except you just surrendering your pride and saying, I need a Savior. It's available tonight. So listen, if that's you, and you would say, hey, Jason, tonight, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. No one's looking around. No one's looking because you follow directions. No one's looking. And if you just say, hey, listen, tonight I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to do this. I just want you to simply raise your hand right where you're at. Anybody? I just want it right there. I see one. Keep your hand up. There's two. Keep your hand up. Three, four. Keep your hands up. I see five in the back, six in the back. Keep your hand up. Seven. Keep your hands up. I just want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Eight. I see that one. Keep your hand up, little man. Praise God. No one's looking except me. Now listen, those of you with your hands up, I want you to look at me. Look at me. I want to see you. I see you. I see you. I see you, ma'am. I see you in the back. I see you guys. I see you right here. I want to ask you to do something crazy. No one else is looking except me and you. 
I want to ask you to do something. If you're serious about this relationship with Jesus tonight, I want you to stand up where you're at. I want you to come stand right down here with me. If that's you, if you're serious, come on. No one's going to, they're going to let you out. I promise. They'll let you out of the aisle. You come stand with me right here. All right. Come on. Just come on down. Come stand with me right here. Come stand with me right here. Come stand with me. It's awesome. Amen. 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 Listen. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Bigger than where will I go to school? What kind of job will I get? Who will I marry? Where will I live? I'm telling you, this decision you're making tonight is going to last for eternity. Not just while you're here on earth. Guys, what you're doing tonight is you're giving your life to Jesus. You're crying. You don't just do that when you make other decisions in life. What you're doing tonight is of eternal significance. And Jesus is coming into your heart. Is that your desire? You want to give your life to Christ. I'm telling you, this is the beginning of the most incredible journey you'll ever have. And I know that right now you don't know what all this means. That's why we're here to help. That's why Pastor Robert's here. This, his name means helper. I don't, it doesn't, but he is a helper. And he's going to help us right now, help you understand what this means, this step you're taking. In fact, there might be some other prayer and ministry people that could come down tonight and just pray over some of these tonight. And you guys just kind of spread up because we got some people here tonight that just want to, y'all come on down here and just, they want to come. Prayer ministry staff, can y'all come help us? Y'all just kind of stand right here. And I want our people to come and to pray over you tonight and help you. We want to put some things in your hands to help you with this decision tonight. And everybody in this house right now is going to start clapping like they've never clapped and celebrated before because this is the best decision you will ever make. This is the best decision. Come on, church. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. People have walked from darkness into light. People that were sick are now healthy. Come on. Come on. Woo. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that tonight the kingdom of heaven has grown. We thank you, God, that for those that the enemy thought he had, oh, no, Lord, you've delivered them. You've set them free. They now are a child of the king. We thank you, Jesus. Be honored. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.